0: Welcome to Gear Full of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast, featuring Aaron
1: Castro in Arizona, Liam Poach in Boston, and Craig Gradelli in New York City. For those of you new to the podcast, each week the guys share
0: news, views, and abuse from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union, along with information on the USA national team. With all that said, let's get on with the show.
1: We're actually on time
0: this week um good to see you craig good to see you too aaron good to see you out there rugby and earful of world it's
1: been uh you know it's been um actually a very happening couple of weeks in in the rugby space especially here in the united states it's been you know really uh Good to see teams continuously moving and trying to improve their rosters or to at least lock down players long term. Especially if you look at New Orleans, um, I think Atlanta and New York have all signed guys to longer term deals. And by long term, I mean at least two year deals, right? Um, you know, not only not five year deals, but like between you're seeing two and three year deals done um across a few of the teams so it's you know pretty cool to see that going on um when it comes to a lot of things and just you know um sort of it, it gives you this uh it gives you this sense that uh you know the longevity and the financial stability of the league is there um you know for a
0: while love to see it love to see. When we when we reach five-year contracts, we'll know we've uh there, we've reached a level of stability that uh you know, er- everyone can sleep in peace at night. I yeah, has had a good ride and it's still going strong, but we all run our pro as well, so it's nice to have that possibility further and further away every season. Yeah, I I mean, I I wouldn't say hey, when we see
1: um five-year contracts that uh that's the the complete stability i think five-year contracts i mean especially what we see with uh i'm being watched um while we do this
0: episode it's kind of funny (laughs) oh yeah it's like a live uh, documentary (laughs) I I i
1: guess there's like a facetime going on and and brooke was in here and she was like filming me to show the I guess the
0: fans I I don't know it was
1: behind the scenes
0: for our Patreon our future Patreon page well man did you see that
1: Patreon lost like in a lawsuit against um, I, I mean, I don't, I didn't dig in too much into the details and this was like, you know, we've talked about like internally launching Patreon because um, we did a successful funding drive last summer, um, which, you know, means if we really didn't care, we we raised enough money where we covered all expenses for this next year, too. And we wouldn't have to do a funding drive, but we've really thought about Patreon in general or just a funding platform to, you know, extend sort of the, the reins to generate some revenue and um, allow us to do a few more things. But uh, Patreon lost lost a lawsuit and is going to have to do like uh, arbitration with like a couple hundred, um, I guess, patrons of this former comedian, and like arbitration fees like basically start at like ten grand a piece. So I mean, it's 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 important. I'm not digging too deep into that one, but it, it was it it makes you wonder about the stability of that platform if we were going to use it as a funding model. But um, that's just some legal mumbo-jumbo. That's yeah. not really I don't know. Not that Everyone
0: seems to use it, though. But yeah. If you guys want us uh, you know, flying out to the MLR finals for a live pod, we're going to need some cash. We're going to need some cash.
1: And then, uh, yeah, just, you know, like when it comes to just MLR and seeing what things are going on, um, I guess going back rather than forward, um the MLR partnered with a company named Maestro, and also in that doc in that document, I guess in that announcement was the appointment of Mark Yates uh, as the new chief commercial officer for uh, Major League Rugby. He's worked for um, Fox Sports Southwest uh, in sales for a very long time um, out of the Dallas area. So you're looking, you know, at a guy that has worked in TV a lot when it came to um you know, finding finding sponsors and finding people like trying to sell ads, which is great because I don't think we've had a real national ad sale um in the league. So if you can get one national ad for the entire league to go on to our FS1 partners or um, CBS SN partners, that's going to generate a significant amount of revenue that will offset the production cost that the league is going to entail into this, in, into this next year. Cause you know, talking with a few CEOs, it's like, this is where we're at with our broadcasts. This is what these broadcasts look like. Our funding gap to get to those is very large, whether that's getting our TV partners to, you know, pay for production rights or just selling um, commercials um, for companies so that we can fund production in general.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. You think about what it takes to make a successful business and what it takes to have entertaining rugby. And those things are not the exact same set of uh, requirements. And I think, you know, when you think about a, a startup rugby league like MLR, was and is frankly still um, you, you think about I want an entertaining rugby product I want parody I want you know exciting matches I want big hits and I think in terms of the on the field product MLR has done great you know it's done as well as could ever you know better than could have been expected in, in my view but um, one thing they kind of surprisingly haven't really hit which is, I guess just on the business side is this You know, sponsor, local sponsor, local community, fan engagement stuff. Uh, I mean, they've done some good things, some bad. It seems like it's been hit or miss across the board. But I I feel like to go to the next level, that's the next thing MLR really needs to focus on is the commercial side. And, you know, it's ironic in a way because I feel like rugby in general, across the globe, one of its strong points is how – it engages the community and it's a great fan experience and all this stuff. And I feel like that message hasn't gotten through to the, to the American public yet. You know, even if they've heard of MLR now and maybe they've, they've seen it a couple of minutes, but it looks interesting. I, I don't think they've really gotten the message about the larger rugby ecosystem uh, yeah, I, think, I think we need that as a focus. I think some teams have been
1: very good about community engagement and there are definitely some deficiencies with others. And then there are others that have figured out that deficiency, whether it was because they got a new owner or not. And they've like reinvested uh, heavily into community engagement. But, and I think this Maestro partnership is really important, not just for the league in general, but also like, cause it will reach down to, to individual teams to help them also sell sponsorship that, I mean, the people were like, who's this company? And they go onto the press release and they read stuff about the deals that this company has done. And I'm like, guys, well, um, yeah, Johnsonville sponsors the American Cornhole League. And that that's partnership with Johnsonville Sausages is worth millions of dollars. So we can complain all we want, you know rugby's uh, better than Cornhole because you see that on Twitter all the time. And uh and it's just like wow. Cornhole
0: on ESPN. Well, I'm and- watching Cornhole
1: on ESPN too all the yeah. time, and they've got like big time sponsors and a couple and you know, Maestro was a part of that deal. And so and they've done big deals for like these other niche leagues, like the American Ultimate Frisbee League, and if you look at Interestingly, I looked at the ultimate Frisbee league final from 2019 and they had, you know, like 10,000 people in the stands. It was, I mean, it was weird to be honest. I'm not uh, into ultimate Frisbee, Um, you know, uh, but they had thousands of people watching dudes throw a Frisbee around. So, and they got, and they sold sponsorships for that. So, so getting a company that, um like this that has broke helped broker um million millions and millions of dollars for niche sport leagues i think is a very important step um towards gaining you know commercial velocity yeah um that's a i mean that's a i, I guess high level nerd out business side uh stuff for from from our podcast which i You know, cool. But uh, the next one, again, on the business side, uh, before we get into rugby operations specifically, is uh, the Dallas Jackals appointed uh, Scott Sanju as president. Uh, If you look at Scott Sanju's resume, he is currently the um, CEO of the holding company that manages. Uh, multiple sports team, multiple minor league sports teams in the Dallas area to include the Dallas Jackals property. And then you dig deeper; um, he is a an alumnus or a veteran of minor league baseball, and he is the second. Um, minor league baseball executive alumnus to uh, join the league as either a team president or CEO. The first being um, JT Onyet who is the team president of uh, the Houston SaberCats. Uh, who so you and there's a lot of synergies really with with minor league baseball and where Major League Rugby is right now. Um, the biggest thing that the teams are trying to focus on are sponsorship and ticket sales. And what do they deal with? In minor league baseball,
0: sponsorship and ticket sales. So, yeah, yeah very similar situation. You know, minor league teams rely very much on the local community, um, and they don't, you know, they don't see, they don't need to fill massive stadium. They need a small loyal following. And I, I don't know this to be a fact, but I've always heard anecdotally that minor league teams are generally profitable in the baseball world. So, you know, uh, bringing that know how to make the rugby also positive in my view, especially now. Um, it's,
1: it's gotten, I mean, compared to probably the eighties, uh, there was a big evolution. Um, I, I, interestingly, I sat through when I was in law school and this is nerding out again, um, of a presentation by the president of minor league baseball. And, you know, he was talking about what they did and what they did differently. And, you know, again, minor league baseball, like major league rugby is right now, it is a live entertainment business. I mean, they do have television revenue, but it is limited. Like they're not like, when you consider how many minor league baseball teams there are, you're not making hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in broadcast revenue. um, Like say the NFL is, you know, or major league baseball is they do have TV. It's not widespread because most people don't really watch a lot of minor league baseball on TV. It's more of a, you go to, you go to the game and it's, you, it's a live entertainment uh, business and it's, that's what they do. And it's really, but most of these teams, yeah, they they make money and uh, it's not just, in a sense, it's not just from the baseball. They host other events, but they know what they're doing on the business side of the house. Yeah,
0: so all right, good business week for Major League Rugby. For
1: so, and, yeah, and then uh, the the bigger, I guess, I thought that was a big announcement, but it came out like three p.m. on a Friday, so it's like it just got buried.
0: Mark Yates, you're failing already. <laughs> it's got it's got buried. Not, not how you start.
1: And uh, but uh, and then um, early in the week on Tuesday, uh, the New England Free Jacks appointed. Uh, Ryan Martin as head coach. Uh, uh, Josh Smith, um, if anyone's wondering, it's not like some controversy. He wasn't fired. There was an evaluation. And you can go back to on Friday, uh, Alex Magleby and I talked a little bit about that on our show uh, that we did with him um, it was 90 minutes, so it's a lot of, it's, it's a long one. It's really good. If you have to go for a run, although if you're in Phoenix, like I am, I wouldn't go for a 90 minute run right now. Cause it's like a hundred and bajillion degrees outside. Um, it, it was like 115 a whole week. It was, it was awful. Um, but, uh, it was like, they did an evaluation. Josh is in a different space in his life right now, because I guess, uh, he's a corrections officer for the state of Massachusetts. And, you know, he's the demands of working full time as a rugby coach versus the demands of and working full time as a corrections officer are completely different. And he was putting in, you know, probably hundred hour weeks, you know, 40 hours, uh, you know, on his regular job and like 60 hours working on rugby. And, you know, he I guess he thought he was going to be able to take some time off. And then, you know, the virus hit and uh, he, uh, you know, obviously took some time off from rugby and uh, they just had a discussion and, you know, he's going to remain as an assistant. And um, Martin comes in well, oh, not, not only remain as an assistant, but also lead the development squad program, the New England Independents. So you're going to have a very, um, you know, Josh Smith handprint uh, on the New England Free Jacks going forward, Um, you know, as as the team evolves. But you keep, you get to, they're in a lucky position. And I, and Max as I talked about this, like I've only seen this happen in rugby where the guy is like gets a demotion and he sticks around. And that's Tana Umaga down with the Blues. Like, New Zealand Rugby did a review. and They're like, we need to change to the head coach. And they're like, Tana, we do want to keep you. You're a good coach. Will you be an assistant? And he was, you know, humble enough where he's like, yeah. You know, I will be, you know, an assistant. I'll run attack or defense or whatever. And I will stay here because I, I, you know, I love the Blues. And I love being a part of this. That, Like, I want to be this. So, like, how lucky New England is that they get to keep as good of a coach as josh smith is and also bringing another co- another high level coach um to be on their coaching team so i i thought that they're in a very awesome position overall um so that's that's as far as that's concerned and but if you look at martin's background a uh, longtime teacher came through the coaching ranks you know really starting cutting his teeth right at the uh, right at the uh, the bottom, um, I guess he was throwing cones out for, for under eights uh, like two decades ago and uh, became the Otago Boys High School head coach, uh, I think like 10 years ago and won five national championships uh, at Otago Boys High School. And if, you know, when, when it comes to rugby in the comparison for Otago High School, it would be like, um, you know, probably coaching at a five A five or six A school in Texas or yeah you know like or Alabama. It's probably one of the the toughest gigs to be is the director of rugby and at, like, at one of these huge rugby schools in, in New Zealand. So He's
0: like Coach Taylor from the yeah. New Zealand version of Friday Night Lights. Yeah there you go coach like
1: Friday like that's your Friday night lights except yeah. it's in New Zealand and it's rugby. And so but um Recently, he was the, uh, I guess, um, kicking attack coach. He he runs the kicking attack for the Melbourne Rebels in Super Rugby. And he's also the attack coach for um, Otago, uh, which is in the Mitre 10 Cup as well. And he's been the attack coach there, I think, for th- the last three seasons. Um, a year ago, he was also the head coach for the Asia Pacific Dragons in Singapore in Global Rapid Rugby, and he talked about that um, on the MLR Kickoff Show and, like, just what they had to do. And it's just, you know, when it comes into bringing in a high-level thinker as a coach, I think it's a good get, um, you know, just to bring in different things. Um, I think one of the quotes he talked about is, like, you know, the attack is the vibe of the team. You know, if, if your attack is going well, you're vibing like you're, you're just humming and you're going, all so um, I think it's a really good hire. And this is, you know. I
0: mean, the Kiwis, know. they know a thing or two about rugby from what I hear. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just sad to have an accomplished Kiwi coach coming over here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, not not a, a familiar name to me other than once I saw the press release. But, um, you know, excited to see what he can do. Uh, yeah, knowledge like well, transfer. When I was given the name, I had I read
1: it in um, what was it? Uh, I had this program for the Western Force from when I went to uh, Australia last summer, and it had like the the printout for the Asia Pacific Dragons and the coach. Like I remember, like it's I need to go dig it out, but it's in there, and I was like, oh, that guy, that's cool. You know, and this is something that, you know, we've, we've discussed and discussed this with, you know, Pete Steinberg, the the venerable, big time. I won a million national championships. I mean, he doesn't talk like that, but, you know, the, the um, former, you know, women's national team coach, MLR commentator, multinational championship winner at Penn State um, when he coached there. And, you know, it was like one of the things we talk about is like investment in coaching. And I talk about this with, uh, with mags on Friday is like, you know um, this is the thing that you, you kind of need to do. Um, and, you know, there was a question about, you know, another foreigner coming in to coach uh, in the United States. And, you know, in a sense, we just need to make an investment in coaching. And yes, do certain college coaches who have full-time jobs, coaching college rugby, deserve a shot at the MLR. I mean, they're on people's lists, but we don't know, you don't know their situation. And there are only so many professional college jobs yeah. that if they made the jump to MLR and it didn't work out in a season or two, um, then, you know, their job's already gone. You know, what
0: are they going to do? Like, yeah. so it's not. I don't think it's short sighted to, to try to achieve that sort of insulation. I mean, it's not as if. Let's be honest, it's not as if Team USA is knocking at the door of a World Cup playoff appearance. So, I mean, when you have coaches from other countries that have the ability to bring a significant amount of knowledge and transfer that into the American system, I mean, those players that he would coach will become coaches one day and they'll be American coaches, but they'll actually now have the benefit of having learned from – you know, someone who is coming from the best rugby nation in the world. So, I mean, by all means, we want to get local coaches opportunities, but I mean, the the bigger picture is developing the the game here, and part one of the ingredients in that is importing knowledge from places that are better than we are right now.
1: Yeah, I think you know one of the one of the things that Mag's talked about uh, is you know understanding pedagogical pedagogical ah, it's such a systems like so teaching systems and bringing in a coach that you know is you know very systems based like not just like the attack or defensive system but having systems in place where you can bring in coaches to develop them teach like what is your coach development system how do you develop coaches you know things like that and you can establish you can bring them in to help build out your coach development system because they do have a grassroots coach development system where they are extending resources into clubs and high schools to help develop these coaches. And that's, I think that was part of this hire and that's what they were trying to do is like, how do we increase our knowledge base tr- tremendously and then extend those? Cause we, in a general sense, we do not have a robust coaching development system in the United States of rugby, in American football, in our main sports, um, you know, football, basketball, baseball, um, hockey, and even soccer. Like although soccer is definitely dominated by a lot of foreign coaches um, at the professional level, if you look at the, I mean, you just have paid coaching positions at almost every level of the, the big four or the big five. I guess, leagues in the United States. Um, You don't have that in rugby. And (laughs) what, what that is required is you need to have more scholastic programs at the high school level and at the collegiate level. And that's part of developing coaches is the more, just, I mean, just like you have a draft, the more paid coaching positions you have, whether it's in the NFL, whether it's in the MLR, or in college or in high school is the more coaches you're going to be able to develop overall. So, you know, bringing in a foreign coach, I think investment in coaching is something that the league, um, you know, has had to make. And I think you need to see a continuous like evolution in investment in coaching, whether that's bringing in foreigners or being in a secure enough place where you're able to bring in top college coaches. But for the most part, I think it's not relevant. Um, because it, in a professional league, um, the the KPIs for a rugby coach is wins. You know, I mean, I, I understand that that is very a, a very American point of view, but that, that's just the reality. And we've seen coaches get released that won in this league, right? So, I mean. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's the biggest thing. And then to kind of round it up so we can get out of your hair and just sort of um, get through it, Uh, a lot of player signings. Uh, One of the the players that was the only undrafted free agent recently signed was by Dallas, and that was Kareem Ode out of Life University. He was a former uh, collegiate All-American. He is normally a tight head prop. I know he can play a little bit of loose head. Uh, you know, when it came to props and front rowers, he was pretty high on a lot of lists. I I know that he was on my board of featured players that we're going to try and feature. We ended up not, um, just sort of time kind of issues with that, but he was high on some boards, at least externally from teams and, you know, really good to see him get a shot. Um, high level player, uh, but as like you saw with front rowers, um, not a lot of front rowers got drafted either. So I mean, only twenty four picks. No respect.
0: No respect.
1: So, That'll be a so, lesson. Draft number two so, next year. So so a good so a good other pickup for for Dallas because they also I forget they also had picked up um, as an undrafted free agent as well. But. Um, what about? I mean, before we get to some of these other teams, your team,
0: man, they've been uh, they've been at it. Yeah, busy busy week. Uh, yeah, Rooney added a whole bunch of players. Um, I may I may mess up some of these names, so uh, bear with me uh, and, and apologies in advance. But uh, you yeah, know, maybe uh, most notable was uh, God. I, I say is the New Zealand Sevens player. Um, fa sui fa tai yeah I don't, know. We'll, I don't know how you we'll, say it we'll get that right
1: later <laughs> I'm sorry i think it's fa i think it's uh fa uh i think that's okay. good enough no, no, no. for me this uh, so the so the, the next one craig is a c is pronounced like a th sound Uh, Okay, you just want to say it, (laughs) the Fiji Sevens player? (laughs) Uh, So, like, Apanisa Thaka Ubalavu.
0: Yeah, you're never doing that for me. Uh, He's a Fiji Sevens player. So so you see a lot of, you know, Rooney added a QE ownership group in the offseason, and you're starting to see some Pacific Southern Hemisphere signings. Coming in here, so you got you got a New Zealand sevens player, Fiji sevens player, um, you got a, a Fijian prop. Uh, this one, I think, I could maybe do Samu Tawake There you go. Pretty. That was pretty easy, right? That was an easy one. Yeah, was, <laughs> the other one. Then Apanisa's
1: last name was. that was intense. I was like, uh, and the best, you know, phonetically is when you when letters are pronounced completely differently than English. It really like screws up every. English speakers brain. I mean, but uh, yeah, those are some pretty good gets as far as signings are concerned. Like I wonder, I mean, you guys needed some help on the wing, but you basically got two wings. Unless one of those guys goes into the centers and then you got a nice, another tight head prop. Who's going to be, I mean, whew,
0: I don't know. <laughs> That's a, he's a train. Yeah. He is a train. to see the sevens focus. And I, I think there, across the board, there are a couple other sevens people signed in in the last couple weeks. You know, I think I wouldn't have characterized Rooney's play in his last couple seasons as like a flashy seven style. It it always struck me as more solid defense, clinical. You know, sort of phase play. so we'll see if this this yeah they got a new coach obviously uh, so we'll see if this represents a transition they got a new coach last here uh, but yeah first full year here let's see if it represents a transition and how they want to um, attack. Uh, well, you have a different general manager too. Um,
1: Steve yes. Lewis is doing your talent talent acquisition right now, and he is, you know. Um, Also, one of the top American-based sevens coaches in the U.S. has developed a lot of players uh, that have that play in the league. um, Has developed a lot of players that go on to play for USA Sevens. So, you know, I I think when it comes to flyers, you know, sevens guys are, you know, probably a nice target, especially with the the fact that they travel all over the world. And there was this was a question like. Do you see like European based players do well here? Yes or no. Do the Southern Hemisphere players do well here? Yes or no. Because guess what? The Southern Hemisphere guys or the sevens guys. uh, You know, they're just used to the travel. They're they're used to the travel. Uh, It is that simple. And we travel all over the place all the time with our league. Whereas the English guys, they just get on the train. Get on the yeah. bus,
0: yeah. You know? and, and I'm not, you know, I, I I have no firsthand knowledge of what it's like playing rugby in Fiji. But you know, you hear the Ben Ryan stories and whatnot, and you maybe you. At least I find myself wondering if MLR's pay package and living conditions and everything is oh, yeah. an attractive, more attractive oh, yeah. position for a Fijian than maybe a European player. I
1: mean, it it definitely is when you think about what goes on like in the islands. Like, I'm sure the sevens guys do get paid okay, but they don't get paid you know a lot. Um, I'm sure that playing if if I'm not saying they're a max deal, but they're obviously going to be on I guess elite player contracts. So they're going to be full time players, and they're probably going to be you know helped out with some you know off field opportunities to go work if they stay in the United States in the off season. Um, that the pay package is, is going to be significantly better than, you know, on Fiji um, in, in general. But, uh, I mean, Samu Tuwaki was playing in the Mitre 10, so he wasn't really living in um, in Fiji. So he's probably just going to be playing, you know, like a few of the players this year and last year is they're just going to play, in a sense, back-to-back rugby seasons. But the Mitre 10 is a short season um is a shorter season than mlr so you're playing like 26 games if you get selected for every game if you're playing in both so it's not awful i mean unless you're also playing unless you're also playing internationals on top of
0: that and then you're playing like 35 which sucks yeah I and mean, in addition to the new signings you know re-signed a bunch of of starwarts i can't recall <laughs> Who is this week or The Dylan Fawcett, Hanko Hammersheist, uh Nate Breakley all, all re-signed.
1: Um, you also had some the magic dude. Um Troy Lockyer, Troy
0: Lockyer, yep. Um Troy James Lockyer.
1: Rockford and Harry Bennett. As well. Um let's see the uh and moving on to the Gilgromies, Uh they signed uh I totally screwed this up and on Twitter and had a... because. Autocorrect correct sucks. Um, I said more Abdelmonem presents <laughs> with uh, Austin yeah. Gildgroti. <laughs> the best the responses to that were great. I gotta say, all the Abdelmonem. Yeah, Mo is Mo is, <laughs> a, Mo is a great extension, and then Will McGee, um, you know, two a two year deal. Uh, so he signs a two year extension. So he's going to be uh, playing in the United States a little bit longer term. So we're, it's pretty good to see. Um, you know, when he was, you know, when he was on the pitch, you, you saw for that little, for that one game, you know, he was in good, he was in good, Nick, like he was, he was yeah. he played very good. I mean, the one game he played, that was also the one win they had. So,
0: yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> you know, Will McGee, obviously an Eagle. So, you know, we, we root for him. It's tough. That is. His overseas sojourn was short lived and I guess now you know two year contracts seems like he's not not expecting a quick return overseas so you know I'll, I'll take him mlR any day you know love to have him around uh you know i I think it's a little unfortunate that it you know it that overseas career didn't work out for him but um yeah you know, I, I think what,
1: he was playing for Scottish and I really haven't talked to him about this and we should probably get him for a, a long-term, a long interview on a Friday like I did with Mags and, uh Dan Moore uh, and just, you know, find out how moving to Scottish happened because he ended up playing, you know, a good number of games for them after the world cup. And, you know, then he, you know, then, uh, it gets announced that, you know, that they're going to, uh, you know, I think only three premier sh- championship clubs next season are going to be in full-time environments. Um, everyone else is part-time environments and cutting their, uh, cutting their salaries significantly. So I guess if he was going to stay, um, then he was going to make a lot less money and have to probably work a job. Um, which I mean, that's you know, saying work a job is kind of weird, but like Scottish was one of the few championship clubs last year that was paying players to train full time and now they are not. And they had work, and they had been in a period when they're competing in the championship where they weren't they were only paying players to train part time, um, and they had worked very hard to get back to a part time environment and then um I guess COVID nineteen hit. So, and that's really affected the championship clubs a lot, who also rely a lot on attendance and they don't like, so, I mean, it's, and if you look at the, and here's the thing, man, like the championship is becoming, it's just falling apart as a way forward for certain clubs. Certain clubs do have ambition, like Cornish pirates. They're about to get, you know, break ground on a 12,000 seat stadium. But other than pirates, uh, you know, maybe Doncaster, and but really Ealing and the Saracens who are in the championship. But Ealing hasn't made capital investments into facilities that no. would put them promotion ready. They, I mean, their their ground I think is a four thousand seater, and they haven't. You know, I know that you can make. You know, you can do a ground, what they call ground share agreement, but they can do a tenant agreement with a soccer club probably. But I mean, they really haven't, you know, made yeah. the next step.
0: You know, I, I mean, I, I, you know, we don't need to have a ring fence debate here this week. But I, I oh, yeah. maybe it's just the American in me, but I just don't care that they can't promote. I mean, why does that? Why does winning your way in have to be a thing? No, no other leagues, certainly no American leagues, work that way, and they seem to operate just fine. MLR doesn't work that way. The D One winner doesn't become an MLR team next year. Yeah. Uh, so I mean I just i I don't care that they can that they you know can be promoted or relegated. I think it's silly from a business perspective um so you know you want to have yeah. a team and you know go negotiate and have it your team added to the league and do all the things you need to do. um no one is saying they can't add teams to the league they're saying they won't be added by winning the lower league. yeah, so also going on over there,
1: not really relevant or maybe it is relevant because that means there will be a robust player market. Cause talking to some people like about like players that want to come to the United States. You, I mean, you're seeing this like with these signings, um, you know, uh, let's look at a team that added some great players uh, talked about, um, you know, New York, uh, going back to New England uh, this week, they signed Tara Matambu, who is the former captain of the South Sea Sharks. Um, he is 29. He's had some injuries, tore his ACL um, once, but still, like, with a good recovery and good offseason this year, you know, he could three be a three-year contract, so he could have, like, he's got a lot of good miles left on that body. And he's going to come in and play in a shorter, like a, uh, you know, a shorter season because he's not going to go back to play in the Curry Cup. You know, he's not playing two different seasons of rugby, and because that's, I mean, from what I understand, the intent is to just be here for those three, yeah. at least those three years. And so you're going to get a great number eight who's got a lot of miles on him, and uh, he's going to be able to contribute to your team and your community for a long time. So. But that was a great um, pickup, and then uh, Nola signed Kyle Rogers. He was on a contract with San Diego this last season, although he did not make an appearance. Um, I think that's a really good pickup at the fullback position. Um, they have a lot of guys that are very talented and that play fullback. Play yeah, a- play. that play fullback. That can play multiple positions. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I think, you know, they've got a lot of Swiss Army knives in their backline, and then they've got a lot of specialists in their backline. So they can do a lot of different things. And I think it's, you know, as far as if you look at NOLA, they have traded away um, a foreign player slot every season um, or multiple foreign player slots every season. And they will actually, interestingly, this is not really. It is common knowledge because people know about it for the simple fact that I read it on Reddit. Even though I know about it because I talked to them about it, they're only going to have seven foreign player slots this year. But if you look they're at part of one of the draft trades, right? Yeah, yeah So they, they you know, one of them, like one of those was a draft trade. But if you look at this, like they're man, the players they're bringing in, Damian Stevens from from Namibia. And then we, there was that Argentine that we
0: talked about last yeah, Scrum half is not a position I thought they needed to bring someone in at. I, you know, Holden Yard's been a scrum half there since the beginning. I feel like his attitude is, you know, a, a, a staple on that team. So I'm, yeah. I, I don't think Damien Stevens
1: is going to start. I I, think he's I, I don't a- know. I was talking, like when I talked to Ryan Fitzgerald, I was like, when you just look at the scrum half position with, with Youngert, Damien Stevens, and Kian Barry. Um, who can play multiple positions but is likely going to compete for um some time at scrum half, you're looking at three really talented scrum halves yeah. on on one team. So like whoever is going to be whoever become like starts for that team and whoever starts and is on the bench for that team at Scrum Half, like those whoever it is earned that position. Now,
0: I'm a fan of I'm a fan of the Civil War General, Holden Youngert. I know. I, I can't complain <laughs> without him out there. Uh, his hair, <laughs> his attitude. Yeah, the classic scrum half of picks a fight with, like, the other side's number eight. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's That's been, like, in my mind, that's almost the the original, like, first impression of NOLA I have is Holden Youngert, just, like, mouthing off to a person five times his size.
1: Yeah, and then, um, like, you know, I talked about, I said... I, I mentioned last week that the amount of players that want to come play in the United States um, that, you know, we don't know about, but that have, you know, have at least some first division professional experience that are young um, is a lot. And some people were like, some people said to me, you know, before, before COVID, yeah, but now maybe not. I was like, no guy. Like the, the the teams, like the amount of guys that are trying to play in the United States is in this league is a lot, which is really good for the league because that means your your quality of player that you can get from overseas is going to go up, um, you know, every season. Like guys are just going to want to. I, I am impressed by the simple fact that not like guys like Robshaw, which as a name, like that's great, but you have guys, um, you know, that are like Rob Shaw, but didn't get capped, you know, by their by their national team. Um and, you know, it, it gives it, it says a lot about this league, how many foreign players do want to come play here. Um, and we look at this and we we've seen a lot of Argentines signed to come north again. Um so way north well yeah uh, to include up uh, up better. in up, up in Toronto but we got him we we talked about that uh signing the last episode we did but in Rugby ATL uh they're getting Bautista as Curro. um from the Pumas like Haguaraz like what you know like you know these guys are coming uh, I mean and you're looking at I mean like there's a lot of issues going up with Slaw S- Super Liga Superliga Americana de Rugby down there that we don't know what's yeah. going on with them. So the guys that you know, the foreign players that were in introduced into that league, Damien Stevens was down there. I think he played two games before the league canceled. So um it's just really interesting. Um in general. Yeah, another Sevens
0: you know, guy, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so another yeah. Sevens
1: guy. Um and then uh going back, uh you go into um, Dallas. We talked about their undrafted free agent signing, but they have signed four. Um, you know, three of the two of these guys were on Glendale: uh, Ryan James and Campbell Johnstone. Uh, Skylar Adams is a prop with uh, Austin, and then Theo McFarland is uh, a Samoan um, who is playing in the minor ten um, as
0: a lock that they're bringing in. Well oh, that's a good signing. Uh, basketball background, yeah, uh, like to see that, and you you know you hear that every once in a while. People debate if basketball is sneakily a good transition sport for rugby. So uh, you know, I like I like those intangibles there for for Theo. I mean, they're really. I mean, I think uh, when you look at where the
1: locks are in this country, they're playing basketball. You know, so there you go. Um, and uh then you know i you know one one person asked me he's like what do you think of the the glendale the former glendale ads to to Dallas and I'm like they're all good players like they, like these guys are these are all good players um and you know i think there was a question I think well. Before we get to that question, um, also, uh, Old Glory they re-signed uh, Jameson, Fayanana Schultz, threatened Palamo, and Jack Iscaro, and then uh, Api Nacatini uh, committed to the second year of his two-year contract. Thought that was an interesting well, that, announcement. That's, that's nice of him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, what? I was like, I thought it was an extension. I tweeted that it was an extension, and then Brian Ray like sends me a message and he's like no, dude, that was just him committing to the second year of his contract. I was like, that's so what a weird
0: know, announcement. you have a player option? <laughs> I, right? like, I, I don't didn't know. know. I didn't know committing to a contract was a requirement. I thought signing was committing. Yeah, but, um, I, I, I guess. I, I don't know. I thought that was a very
1: interesting announcement since they had announced last year that he had signed a two-year deal with them. So... Yeah, I don't know. But, um, you know, all really good, uh, you know, retention signings. I think people thought Jamison vine- might have gotten the look from overseas, but I think he did. Uh, however, he's he's sticking around, which is good. And then Toronto uh, re-signs uh, Ben Lesage, Manuel Deanna, Leandro Levas, uh, Taylor Adams, and Giuseppe Tuta- Giuseppe Dutta. Some Argentinians in there. Yeah. So. They love Canada. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's. I think we're all right. I think uh, you know it, you're seeing that things are moving forward, even in this weird kind of space that we are right now. That you know, sports are sort of struggling to to get back on the field, in a sense. Um, you know, with baseball, I guess a lot of guys are testing positive, but I think we'll navigate through that as. You know, most of these guys, although they're testing positive, are asymptomatic. So, I mean, in a sense, yeah, they have the virus, but they not to say they don't have the virus, but they're not like they have no symptoms. Like their lungs are good. Um, when they get chest X rays, they, they just sort of have it. You know,
0: um, let me. Uh, this is not in the script, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ambush you with one here, Strober. Uh, you not in it? I'm sure you don't have any official knowledge of this, but. You, if you're a commissioner of MLR, going into 2021, and there are 13 teams, how are you organizing that league? Is just going to be as a uneven conferences—one is six and one is seven. I mean, yeah,
1: baseball did this forever. I mean, the the uh, there were like 32 for whatever reason, like there were 32 teams or 30 teams in baseball for a long time, um, with the addition of the Nationals or what was it not? Who was the last? Um, expansion team. It's been a while, but um, they had thirty teams in the league, and the AL West, uh, was always four teams, and the NL West was six teams. It was the weirdest freaking thing. It made no sense. Well, but
0: that was they wanted to have even teams, uh, even numbers of teams. That way, you could always every team could play the same day if they had, well, no, no one had like. Well, yeah, so, but, so
1: they finally fixed that and they moved the Astros into the AL West um, a couple of years ago,
0: like yeah. three years so ago. But now or? they don't really play, you're one of the men in a universe with an even number of teams. Yeah. So, but this will not be an even number of teams, which I guess is theoretically okay, but so, like, I mean... It, uh, you know, how the, the playoffs just harder if you're in the West because you have one more team. So, yeah, yeah just, I, you know, I guess I think the bye weeks is where it gets funny, like scheduling wise. <laughs> um, scheduling
1: odd, uh, like the, the odd conference number, not too difficult. I mean, you did this in the NFL, uh, in like the NFC, AFC South before the Texans, but it was like three teams, it was kind of weird. Um, it's like it, this has been done before. I mean, you just plug it into a computer and you run it a million times and come out with a schedule. And then you have to make, then you have to look at, because you, the reason why you, there are a lot of variables that when you plug it all into the Excel spreadsheet before you get the simulation is like what dates your venue is available. And that's a big problem with some of these teams because they play their tenants and they don't control um, where they play. So like, yeah. we're just. I mean, the schedule, from what I understand, is is, you know, is, you know, pretty close. Like we will get it in September, uh, if not sooner. Um, like they're like I know last Very year weird. in September. I know I know last year was a little late, but from what I was told, it was like it, like September because just because of the situation with broadcast and stuff that our season was over, um, in March. Like, they've been, they've been working on this for a while. Um, I guess they had
0: some time to focus on it. Yeah, well, I'm, so. I'm dying to know, like, how, but even assuming the actual days, like, coordination of who plays could be sorted out by careful computer work and whatever, I'm just like, when you think of what conceptually what the season was like last year, it was like you play teams in your conference twice each and you play the other teams once each. But that can't work now. Well, it sucks in. uh, It sucks in. uh, All right, one conference is more cheap.
1: Yeah, I guess it it sucks to play in um, in uh, in the West, and then you, if you're in the East, you get an extra opponent from your own. um, It it could happen this way.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. That's one example, I guess. The East would play one team an extra time, uh, or they just don't have an East and West. They just have a, a tournament with a table and the top four teams make the playoffs something like that. That'd be interesting. I
1: mean I, that would that would put us back into sort of the season two season
0: two realm. Um, yeah. it, it's doable. It's doable. It seems much easier with an uneven number of teams to do it that way. It's 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 doable, but I
1: just I think we've committed ourselves to conferences for a variety of reasons. Um, part of that is creating rivalries and you just you know, you just gotta figure it out. Um, of instead of eliminating the conferences, I know they're doing it in college football. <laughs> like you you're, they're eliminating divisions because like the they're adding. It's it's all weird. Uh, but I, I think you just go like you figure out how to to run your conference system that you have with the way it is. And we know that as much as like the Hawaii thing. Um, is on the table that um, them getting building a team out now and getting all the things that they need for February
0: 2021 er, is is a difficult thing. So um, well, you're saying the schedule is coming out in September. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine they're going to be ready to the, have- the intent is to get the schedule out in September. And I know that the 90
1: days, for Hawaii ends like beginning of October um, for their, for their exclusive negotiating period. And of course that can also be extended uh, based on them hitting benchmarks. Um, but it's either like, if they hit certain benchmarks they can get, I think they get an extension. Um, I don't, I don't know this for a fact, but uh, they could get an extension if they hit certain benchmarks. And, but I would say if they got that extension, they're definitely not playing in 2021 and i don't think i mean if you look at the teams that have like added like become members of the league you know it is sense although toronto had um didn't know if they were actually in the league until like three months before they had been preparing as if they were in the league you know over a year in advance like they were working they were they ran an exhibition they they played they New York in an exhibition. They ran two exhibition seasons. Really, I mean, yeah. like they they were, you know, um, like they had a team mostly together um, during season one, and they played an exhibition season against you know a few teams. So yeah. it's it's a difficult proposition to try and get a team off the ground in 2021. Uh missed the expansion there. draft. I mean, yeah, actually, when you're, when like, when you're in the bidding process, I, I just don't, like, I don't know. It's a tough <laughs> proposition, but um, so, I, you know, we were talking about this earlier before we went online, is, like, how much do you appreciate teams announcing their signings and re-signings? Like, the, the greater number of teams that are just generating content, um, you know, just putting stuff out. Yeah. Compared to the first you know, not, not the first season because I was kind of wonky, but like the last two off seasons.
0: Yeah, I mean it was great. It, it's still, you know, it's still not where uh, I could be. It's still somewhat hit or miss. Like some teams do it, some don't. Some do it all the time. Some like have a week where they go nuts and then they go silent for three weeks. I mean, I, I think everyone's getting there. This seems you know, every year it gets a little better this year included, it seems. Um, so, you know, keep it up. And, but, you know, I also wanted to turn it up. I, I, yeah, there's no reason Twitter's free. Oh man, lose Twitter me. posts are free. There's no. Uh, did you lose me again? Ah, uh, you said Twitter is free, and then you froze, and then you're like, Twitter's free. Yeah, that's all you had to know. Twitter's free. Post <laughs> on Twitter, free advertising. So, yeah, I, I mean,
1: we're doing. I, I think we're doing pretty good. Uh, we we could be doing better. Um, and I wonder if that's just based on the fact that. Um, I wonder if I'm making the correct assumption that if uh, you know the teams who are announcing players or the teams that actually signed players and the teams who aren't announcing anything haven't signed their players because there was like a free agent window that opened up and there was a restricted free agent window that is now open. So all the t- all the players that they were supposed to sign are now able to talk to other teams. Um, so I it, it, I wonder if my assumption is correct. If any, if this assumption is correct that all the teams that have announced players have actually signed all their players, versus I don't know, I, I, I have don't. no idea. I and
0: that's in a sense I probably could find out, but I, I mean. But, I mean, signing players is great, and that's a good thing to tweet, and an easy one, but it's not as if that's the only possible thing you can tweet about. Players are doing stuff in the offseason, the team. Oh, yeah. The coaches are doing stuff. Like, yeah, I, I just think they or about full Or about folklore. Yeah. yeah I mean, hey, <laughs> they playing rugby, you know, I would say that the, when we had the Rugby 20 uh, online tournament going on, that was some of the most – that was some of the best social media uh, – Activity that MLR had had in all, yeah, you know, in all of its years. So, yeah. Uh,
1: well, that's us for semi-regular, irregular programming this summer so far. Uh, well, I think, I mean, I'll try to get more interviews out, uh, or maybe have Craig get an interview out with a New York player. That would be cool. Hmm. Stay tuned. An, an idea, uh, but we'll try to get some more content out. It's just been, you know in general, it's not been a normal summer for anyone. So, um, and you know, just, you know, try to, try to keep it relevant for you guys rather than sort of, you know, just giving you something that's the same every week. So, um, we will, uh, maybe two weeks. Oh, we do have one thing, Craig, we're going to go back to our USA rugby bankruptcy special, but you need to read the dang document. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah thank you ever sent it uh we did receive that document uh, i don't know for those of you who are familiar with plans of reorganization they're not exactly light reading uh you know the lengthy and verbose legal document i will read it and i will provide an update next time but uh, didn't get to it for today so um. Yeah, and I think it, it in depth
1: based on it was like seventy two pages. So like <laughs> we've been online for an hour, so we probably should, you know, not have added an extra half hour. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's it for earful of dirt. You can catch me at the Shrubber at the strawberry. You can catch Craig at American Oversea, and you can catch us uh you full of dirt at your full of dirt on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And also please uh, you know leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, that always helps. And um if you hate us but still give us a five star review, um, we'll read out your your I guess your your hate listen.
0: Oh, review. we're we're making that offer now. Huh? Uh, yeah. Just, just, just jumping just, on that bandwagon. <laughs> jumping on the bandwagon. All right. I know
1: so all right um you got everyone have a good week um and you can catch this in your podcast feed if you didn't watch it um probably midweek because i know is gonna get the mags episode out um for overnight tonight and uh you know all as well so later everyone cheers thank you for listening to earful of dirt the major league rugby podcast Connect with your hosts throughout the week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Yearful of Dirt. Or email your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week. Until then, get out there and enjoy some rugby.